All right. Well, hey, one more thing about Kalahari. Um, I don't tell us the students because the students will just forget. Um, so parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, uh, packing slips are out at the info center. And check-in time here is 3.30 on Friday. So again, letting the parents know because you guys will remember. Better than, better than the students, okay? I, I believe in you guys, all right? So, okay. All right. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I just tell you guys too confident about that. So well, hey, we're going to jump right back into our series on Luke um, as we walk through the book of Luke leading up to finish it up just after Easter. And so we're going to be in the second half of Luke chapter number two this morning. Um, and one thing, I just want to, you know, we're still kind of in the Christmas season. Um, just happened, obviously, this last Monday. Um, you know, it comes to the Christmas season, which I love the Christmas season, um, but one kind of word defines the Christmas season is like, society as a whole. And I would say it's the word anticipation, and which we're going to be talking a lot about that this morning. But uh, you guys know how it is. If you're parents, all right, we got a lot of parents in here with kids at home like myself. Um, you, guys, you guys know how it is Christmas morning, right? Um, yeah, we have yes. We have a yes here, okay? So Christmas morning. Now, mind you, just let's just throw this out there, okay, real quick. If your kids are like mine, they hate getting up normally for school, Okay, like 6.30, they're supposed to be out of bed, like ready to go. And that usually doesn't happen to like 6.45. Like, dude, like, come on, Baylor, let's go, man. We're supposed to be ready 30 minutes ago. Come on. So these are the same kids. Okay, now Christmas morning, fast forward this one day of the year. Parents, you know how it goes. 5 a.m. in the morning, you're in bed. And what do you wake up to? The door flying open. It's Christmas morning. Jump on the bed. We're ready to open up Christmas presents. Like, they're ready, right? Those gifts they've been looking for, they've been anticipating, waiting, opening those gifts that have been sitting under the Christmas tree. And they're excited about it, right? They rip them open and all that stuff. And again, I would say this as, as, as a whole, whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, Kroger's or whether it's Walmart, there's different Christmas sales, there's Christmas hams going on sale, all kinds of stuff from really from Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, all the way up until Christmas Day. It's a season of anticipation, I mean, even as, as parents, we would say, well, it's, it's anticipating for us too because, maybe, you know, we don't, the gifts, it's not really a huge, like receiving those, like a huge deal to us. Man, one thing that we enjoy is, as parents is, you know, man, we worked hard to save the money to be able to buy those gifts. And so to be able to give those Christmas morning and see the excitement in the kids' faces, man, that's, that's exciting, right? We, man, we are anticipating that for us on Christmas morning. But even though it just came out of the Christmas season, I think we should still have and be in the spirit of anticipation as believers for a greater reason that we're going to look at today. And that reason is this. Jesus' return. Jesus' return is closer now than it's ever been. So my question to you is this. There's, there's a couple people, there's a couple types of people that we have in the world. There's non-believers and believers. And so my first challenge to non-believers is this. Man, give your life to Christ before it's too late. Are you ready? And then for the Christians in here, are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready for his return? After the first Christmas, in fact, 40 days after the first Christmas, we're told about a guy by the name of Simeon who had been looking for, he had been anticipating meeting this Messiah, which was essentially just means savior of the world. Now, one question came to my mind as I was kind of studying this this week and you know, going through things. Um, you know, Simeon and Anna are essentially the two people that are anticipating meeting Jesus, and they're found in the, right after Jesus was born in Luke chapter 2. But where was everyone else? 
I mean, these were Jewish people that had the Old Testament that, you know, as we'll talk about in a little bit here, they had different things that pointed to this Messiah, this promised one coming. Why are Simeon and Anna, which again, we're not going to talk about Anna, we don't have time for that, but why are these two the only ones that are anticipating this Messiah? Well, I think there could be really a couple of reasons why, a few reasons. Maybe let's just get honest. People weren't looking for the Messiah. They were looking for Jesus. Or they just, maybe at one point they were looking for the Messiah, but over time, as you guys know, you know, things were off and they just stopped looking just because they got sick and tired of it maybe. Or maybe they only anticipated him coming when life was hard. Now, regardless, for some, you know, whatever it might be, for some reason, there's only a couple people that anticipated Jesus coming in Luke chapter 2 that we have right after Jesus was born, which again, Simeon and Anna. I mean, we could say this about many people today, in our American culture especially. I mean, there's probably many people that with their families, they gather on the Christmas tree, Christmas presents on Christmas morning. Uh, there's probably many people that are not Christians that read the Christmas story just because of tradition. But they've never again put their faith in Jesus alone to save them. Sadly, though, I think there's a lot of Christians who are not anticipating that Jesus Man, he'll be returning to this earth one day soon. I think the thought or the attitude of many Christians is, is this. Well, <clears throat> you know, AJ, yeah, maybe think of this. Yeah, you know, I'm good with, I'm good with Jesus coming. Man, I've made my preparations. I've already accepted Christ as my Savior. I'm good to go for heaven. I'm ready. But hold on. I got some things I want to figure out first. I mean, I'm not married. I'd like to get married. I want to have kids. I want to have a, you know, I'm going to go to get an education and, have a nice job, have a career, and kind of live the American dream. And then maybe when I'm like 90 years old and I'm suffering, then I'll be ready to go. See, man, it's just not the right mindset. So whether you're a Christian or not, I want you guys to seriously think about this. Are you anticipating meeting Jesus? Are you anticipating Jesus' return following this Christmas season? See, when we're anticipating something, like let's just say this, like let's, let's throw it out there, a vacation, all right? Maybe you got a cruise coming up in like 30 days, I don't know, whatever. What happens as you get closer to that, the anticipation grows, you guys get what I'm saying? Like you're in the cubicle at work, you're doing the spreadsheet and you can't think about the spreadsheet. All you think about is sitting on the beach. You guys get that, right? You think about eating the food, right? You think about spending time with the family and all the things you're gonna experience that you're gonna do and it's awesome. And I, I'm gonna throw this out there. I'm gonna get honest, okay? I apologize to Zach. I don't know where he's at. He's probably in here somewhere. Sorry, Zach, what I'm about to say. All right, every year leading up to November, I'm a big deer hunter, okay? We all know that. That's, that's my, my big hobby. Every year leading up to November, anticipation grows in AJ's heart because I know this. I go on a deer hunt about the middle part of November every year for about a week, week and a half. I mean, I do all kinds of different things getting ready for that. I'll dial my bow in. I'll be shooting it. I'll get my gear ready. I'll be checking it in the evening. I'll be in the office at work trying to study a message. And I'll think about that big buck walking out in front of me and putting that perfect shot. Like, I'm just telling you, that's what happens, right? It's our daydream. I'm excited. I'm anticipating that. Okay, just throwing this out there. Nothing wrong with anticipating, planning, preparing. Um, you know, don't be taking hours from the boss or, you know, time with family and all that. But it's okay. We need to have vacations. We can anticipate those things. What I'm, I'm just trying to prove a point here. Think about this. If we're willing to anticipate something as temporary <clears throat> and as fleeting as a cruise, vacation, or deer hunt, then as Christians, how much more should we be anticipating or thinking about looking for meeting Christ? If I'm honest, there are times 
let's get real, I'm not anticipating Christ's return. Because the problem is my anticipation is on something else that AJ is too concerned about. And so this is the question we're going to answer this morning or look at is what are you anticipating? That's it. That's, that's all we're going to answer this morning. We're looking at the life of Simeon. And, and I think Simeon does a great job helping us to kind of walk through, man, how we can really anticipate meeting Christ and how we should do that and how that can happen in our life. So you're going to hear again, this word anticipation has come up a ton as we walk through this story. Now, if you trusted Christ, your Savior, I mean, we should be <clears throat> about anticipating Jesus, meeting him, and really should challenge us to get out and to live out Matthew 28, 19, 20, the Great Commission, to go. I mean, as Christ is, his return is closer now than it's ever been, and we should be about sharing our faith and reach people before it's too late. And I think that's something that we have to keep maybe <clears throat> before our minds. It's just this idea <clears throat> that today, we have less days than we did yesterday to reach our friends and our families for Jesus. They're not believers. I mean, Jesus' return is, regardless of how we want to look at this or not, it's closer today than it was yesterday. It's closer now than it's ever been in human history. That means our time is short. <clears throat> if we're not anticipating Christ's return, though, we're not going to be motivated. We're not going to be motivated to reach the lost. If we're not motivated to reach the lost, we're going to become stagnant and idle. And if we're stagnant and idle, and we're not living out the Christian faith. We're not growing as we're called to. So again, Simeon's going to help us as we walk through his life and how we can anticipate Jesus' return for us one day. And so kind of to set the scene, set the context, I want to read a little bit about how Simeon meets baby Jesus. And so we'll start here, Luke 2, verse 22, 24. It says this, And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem. Let's talk about Jesus. Um, oh, go back. So it wasn't read fast enough. From up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, <clears throat> just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. All right, some things that we can see here with Joseph, Mary, and baby Jesus is this, is for some time, about 40 days or so, they had been, right, I'm sorry, right at 40 days, they'd been in Bethlehem. And they travel some six miles in that 40th day up to Jerusalem. And they're going to the temple to, to, to really to offer Jesus and to offer baby Jesus to dedicate him there. And it's really to commemorate a key event to the Jewish people called the Passover, which this commemoration is found in Leviticus chapter 12. We're not going to read that for sake of time, but if you want to check that out, it's in Leviticus chapter 12. And God's people are called to bring in their firstborn, and to dedicate their child to God. Again, they are commemorating this thing called the Passover. And, and, and the long story short, the Passover was a huge piece that God used to deliver his people and to protect God's people from the Egyptian people and to give them a place they could call their own. Um, and, and he allowed them to, again, go to a place that they could worship God. They were remember for 400 plus years, they were in slavery to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And so at the Passover, what happens is God sends this Passover angel that would come and would take the lives of the firstborn children of Egypt and, and anyone else, of the Egyptians and anyone else, but he did not take the firstborn of the family's houses that applied the blood of a lamb to the doorpost above and on the sides, which obviously, you know, is a cool picture of the cross. But God uses this plague to again, to allow his people to be set free. So this was such a huge thing, the Jewish people. 
God makes this as something, hey, you have to do this. Like this is something you need to do as a way to remember back and to think back on all that I brought you out of in Egypt and with those people. Now, one unique thing is that Joseph and Mary, they can't afford a lamb. I mean, they're poor. Think about this, okay? They're new parents. They're in their teenage years and they have a newborn baby, all right? They don't have a ton of money. And so, and what I love about this, the fact that Jesus is born to poverty, I mean, he's not of a wealthy class. He's not even middle class, not even lower middle class. He's born the lowest of low. And it's interesting, God makes a provision in Leviticus chapter 12 to people that couldn't afford a lamb. So regardless of how much or how little money you have, or if you're the supervisor or the janitor, or if you're the CEO or you're an intern, what's cool about this is it shows us that Jesus being born in poverty, I mean, it shows that he came to save anyone that will put their faith in Jesus and Jesus alone to save him. Very cool thing. I can also appreciate this about Mary and Joseph um, doing the right thing. Uh, I, you know, they, they didn't really maybe know what to do years down the road, but they know what the next right thing is to do. I can remember back to when my son Baylor, who's right up here in the front, when I found out that uh, Marissa was pregnant with Baylor in our first year of marriage. And um, I think it was Christmas Eve. I was in South Carolina in college, and my wife had went home to be with her family um, for that, that first Christmas uh, you know, holiday. And she called me on Christmas Eve, and uh, she's like, AJ, oh, man, I got great news for you. I'm pregnant, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. Baylor was a surprise, man. Uh, so <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, okay. Uh, I, I, I started kind of freaking out. Marissa, not in a bad way, just like, what are we going to do? I'm like, I got, I got to call someone. So who do I call? My, my, my mom. I call mom. I'm like, mom, listen, uh, uh, good news. Uh, Marissa's pregnant. I'm going to have baby boy, you know, and She's like, of course, grandma's excited and I'm excited, but I'm also like, oh boy, you know, I'm like, mom, what am I going to do in five? Like, I don't know how to, I'm, I'm 20, I was 20 years old at the time. How in the world am I going to raise a kid? My, I'm barely not a teenager. How am I going to raise a kid? I mean, what do you do when he's five? How, how do you change a diaper? What do you do when he's 10? All these different things going on in my mind. And so what I can at least appreciate about Mary and Joseph is this, is they didn't know what to do in five years. They don't know what to do in 20 years. They know how to raise a kid, their kids themselves, but they did the next right thing. They knew the next right thing for them to do was simply to take Jesus to be offered in the temple. And again, to dedicate him to God. I think there's a lot to be said about that, just basic obedience, knowing the right next thing to do, not fast forward in 20 years down the road. All right, so when they go to the temple, they meet this guy named Simeon. And verse number 25, 26 says this, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man, he was righteous and devout, and he's looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. See, with Simeon, we're not told a ton about him. In fact, this is like the only passage of, uh, that we have in the Bible that talks about this guy named Simeon. We don't know a ton about him, but we're not necessarily told how old he is. We know he's old, but not how old. We don't know what family he's from. We don't know his occupation. We don't know really any of his accomplishments. We don't know all of his rights and all of his wrongs. We don't know a lot about him, but one thing we do know was his spiritual condition. See, I think a good question that we should ask ourselves this morning is, man, what am I known for? What am I known for? What am I known for to my, my neighbors? What am I known for to my coworkers? Man, what do my kids know about me? I mean, what do you want to be said about you? 
See, I think all of us would say, well, of course, we don't, you know, I don't want to be known as a bum. So I want to be known as a, hey, I want to be known as a hard worker. Okay, let me throw this out there. That's a great thing, man. To be a hard worker, that's, that's awesome. That's great. But is that all? I mean, to be a good employee. I want to be a good employee, do my 40 plus hours of work and, man, make the company better. Okay, that, that's great. But is that all? And I want to be known as the family man. Okay, that, that's great. And that's, these are all good things. But what's said about Simeon? It says, man, he was a devoted follower of Christ. And I think that I, I would say this, that's the greatest accomplishment in anyone's life as a believer is to be known as someone that is fully devoted to Christ. Simeon, man, he feared God and showed reverence for him. He took what God said and he took God's promises seriously. He heard God's spirit speak to him about this consolation that was coming, this, this Messiah. Simeon, he's anticipating meeting this Messiah, this savior of the world. But this anticipation came by Simeon doing something, by him devoting his life to God. And this is a humbling thing, again, for, I'll be honest with you guys, for me to read about, to study this week. I mean, a question that we should ask ourselves is this, am I devoted to God like Simeon? That's a, that's a tough thing to answer because I think the answer is no. See, Simeon, Simeon simply heard what God said, believed in God's promises, and followed God. I mean, that's what he did. He was devoted. I think it's anticipation to meet the Messiah. It was stirred up from this deep devotion to God. That means this. His devotion to God looks something like this. He spent time with God in his presence every day. He spent time listening to, hearing the word every day. He spent time learning about God. He spent time in prayer. He spent time hearing the message of God being taught. He spent time worshiping on the Sabbath. He spent time, no doubt, telling people. I guarantee you he was telling people about this promise that he had from God. And he was going to soon, one day soon, meet the Messiah. Can we say that about our lives? I mean, we should have the end in sight as Christians. I mean, we should be motivated that Jesus' return it's soon. It's nearer now than it's ever been before. And that should cause us and get serious about our faith. So he, was, he was different than most in that Jewish culture. See, many, they would, would say that they were anticipating a quote-unquote Messiah. But the problem is they're not looking for the right Messiah. Many of the Jewish people then, they're, they're looking for a false Messiah. They're looking for one that would be a political power and that would take over the Romans. And then, you know, finally, the, the Jewish people would be back on top in the power of the world and they would be the political leaders. They wanted it restored back to the dynasty of David. They're not looking for the right Messiah. Simeon, on the other hand, man, he's, he's looking for a Messiah that would come and that wouldn't be a political leader, that wouldn't be a powerful leader, but that would be one, that would be a spiritual leader, that would call people's sins out, that would call for people to repent and to put their faith in Jesus and what he's done. And I think it all starts back to that word that we've mentioned several times. He's devoted, and his devotion grew, his anticipation, meaning Jesus. And then this is what happens with Simeon. It says this, guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised God. Okay, so just throwing this out there, all right? Simeon crosses all, like, cultural lines here, right? 
Think about this. And we just read over the Bible. We don't think about these things sometimes. They did not know who Simeon was. He was an old dude with gray, gray and white hair on the other side of the temple court. And so there's tons of parents that are bringing their children to be uh, for this dedication and dedicate this child to God. And Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus are there. And this random stranger runs through the crowd of people, comes over, Mary or Joseph, whoever is, I don't know who's holding baby Jesus, doesn't tell us, but one of them were. And he snatches baby Jesus out of their arms. Now, that's messed up, okay? They don't know this guy from Adam. He runs and grabs him. I mean, I mean, I mean, now you got like, you know, sanitize, you know, wash your hands five times. Then you can pick up the baby. Ask, at least ask permission first and respect whatever the mom says. Simeon doesn't care. He's like, man, forget asking. I'm taking this. I'm, I'm taking this child. It's interesting. I like what one pastor said. He said, did Mary and Joseph just get used to like weird things happening to them? I mean, they both have angels show up to them different times. Uh, the worst, the worst of society are the first people that come and see Jesus after he's born, the, the shepherds, you know, not mom and dad or not their closest friends. The shepherds, the worst in society, come and see Jesus. And now some crazy dude, he's snatching baby Jesus out of their arms. I mean, what do you do at that point? You just like let it go or, you know, whatever. So now think about this. Simeon, he cradles baby Jesus. He's got him in his arms. This old guy, Simeon, he had been probably waiting for decades, most scholars think. And he's now, think about this, he's holding onto the promise. He's holding onto the promise of what God said. He had been waiting for years, for decades. And as he holds that child, he says this next. He says, now master, speaking to God, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes, when they've seen your salvation, you have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. Some Bibles, they have this outline and they say this is Simeon's song of worship. As he's holding the child, he sings this song of worship to God. And I love what he says. We'll come back to this later. But he says, God, I'm, I, can, <clears throat> I can die now. God, I can die now. I'm, I'm fully at peace. I've seen the promise I believe it, I, I, I can die. But then, I like what he says after that. He says, God, what you promised to me, you delivered. At the close of Simeon's song of praise here, he says something that I think most of us, we just read over in that last line. He says, this child, man, it'll be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people, Israel. Gentiles is people that are not 100% Jewish, ethnicity, which is probably everyone in here. And so Simeon was telling them, man, this child, he will bring salvation to all people. Yeah, what a promise. Many Jewish people, they didn't believe that Gentiles could come to a relationship with God. They didn't believe they could worship with them. And so when Simeon says this, there were people there that probably like bowed up and got like a little offended, right? And Simeon's like, no, man, like the gospel is for all, not just Jews, but the Gentiles and to all people. And this statement, we're told after this, that this, this statement, Mary and Joseph, they're amazed by it. They're like, whoa, he's the savior. This is gonna be, I mean, we know he's gonna be a savior, but he's gonna be to all people. So after Simeon's song of worship, he has a message though to Mary. It says this, and Simeon, he blessed him and he told his mother Mary this message. Indeed, this child is destined, check this out, to cause the fall and rise 
of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, Mary, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. See, Simeon, he, he paints a picture for Mary, and I'm sure what was read probably pricked her in the heart, probably offended her even a little. But he, he just throws out the truth, and he, he gives a harsh reality that, that here's the deal, Mary. Listen, uh, man, this is a savior to the Jews, the Gentiles, to everybody, but this infant, this child, will not be accepted by everyone. There'll be many that won't accept. There'll be some that will, but there will be many who oppose this Jesus. And we know this. When we see this throughout Jesus' life, many religious leaders, they were trying to teach that it was in a system of following rights and not doing specific wrongs that one would come to a relationship with God. So when Jesus goes, and we'll talk about this in the series, and he goes throughout his life and he teaches things like, I am the way, the truth, the life, and there's no way to God except through me. And he says other ideas, he teaches ideas like, I am the son of God, which obviously is the truth. This offended them, and they got upset about it. His claim that he is the son of God would ultimately be what drove the masses of Jewish people and the religious leaders to beg to put him on the cross to die. See, to follow Jesus, we have to first offend this, that the message of Jesus, it is the gospel. We say it is the good news. But for good news to be good, we've got to find out the bad news first. And the bad news is this, is that we are all sinners and broken because of our sin. We're messed up people. We failed God time and time again, and we have sinned against him. And so for many people, the reality of the truth that they have offended God and their first offense is to God and that they've broken the relationship with God because of who they are, because of their sin, man, it offends people. And they resist trusting in Jesus because of it. And they can't get past that first part, that they are sinners. Simeon, he also shares this. He says, well, Mary, but that's not just the entire world. That goes for you as well. He says, Mary, you're not, you're not going to be perfect. And you're alone, you alone, you're going to you're gonna have to come into a relationship with Christ and turn to him as your Savior. I mean, you're going to have to do it because of your wickedness and your sin, just like every other Christian. And these are the last recorded words that we have from Simeon. A man that is faithful and devout. A man that anticipated this Messiah. Simeon was a man that took God simply at what he said. If God said it, he banked on it. And this spurned his devotion to God, spurned his anticipation of meeting Jesus. And so the source of the anticipation grew, that, that grew inside him was a cause from him spending time with God. Then he says again, we mentioned this in verse number 29 earlier, but he says this, hey, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promise. I like what some other versions say. Some other versions of the Bible actually say this, according to your word. God, according to what you've already said, you can dismiss me in peace. I'm ready to die. To God, he always comes through on his promises. He might not do what we want. He might not do what we, you know, what we want when we want, but he will always do what he said he is going to do. The promise of one coming to to wipe out Satan and take care of sin, the penalty of that has been talked about since Genesis chapter three, since we fractured that relationship with us and God in the garden. The talk and, and promise of a deliverer had been mentioned again all throughout the ages in scripture, uh, throughout centuries in scripture, and uh, maybe just some people had forgotten. Maybe some people had thought that the Messiah was never coming, but not Simeon. I mean, Simeon took God at what he said, and he was in a season of anticipation. He knew and, and read and he believed that the Messiah 
was coming. And so my question to you is this, man, Christ's return, again, it's near now than it's ever been. He's returning to this earth one day with your anticipation. Are you in a season of anticipation? Man, are you looking and longing for him to return? It's all throughout the Old Testament. All the stories in the Old Testament, they connect and they point to this Messiah coming. Whether it's the plan of how sin is going to be taken care of in Genesis chapter 3 and or that's the Israelites being led out of the wilderness or crossing the Red Sea or the covenants that were made by God and, and through his people or for his people or the ceremonies in the temple or the, minute, or the minute and intricate details that's in the tabernacle. They're all pointing to there is one coming to save. The problem where Simeon's at right now in his world, it's, let's get real, it's dark. I mean, his world is dark. Simeon religious leaders are trusting in a system to be saved for 400 years God's people had not heard a specific message for them. But Simeon's anticipation is like it grows. I mean, we would say this. Our world looks dark right now, too. I mean, there's things that have happened recently and voting stuff. I don't want to get into all that. But there have been things that have happened recently where our world, I would say, has took a turn for the worse. Right? It's dark. Religious freedoms are under attack. To stand up for your, Christian, stand up for your faith as a believer, I mean, it takes something. Man, but when it's dark, shouldn't it be that the time that we let the light shine the most? So Simeon, he kept holding on to that promise and believing that promise of what God had said he was going to do according to his word. So my question in closing, we, we mentioned this at the very beginning. My question in closing is this, again, man, what are you anticipating? What are you anticipating? Maybe, maybe you're not anticipating God because you're not spending time with him. I don't know. I mean, Simeon, he had made it clear that he was anticipating meeting the Savior and he was banking on what he knew that God's word said and the promises of it. And he anticipated meeting Jesus. And maybe you're not anticipating meeting God because you have the wrong God that you're following. You're, have, you're following a God that really, in all honesty, it's a God that, you know, doesn't exist. It's a God that gives you your comforts and your desires. Man, and your wants, that, that God does not exist. Or we spend all of our prayers and our hopes asking God to do for us what we want him to do. That's not the right attitude. See, we need to be like Simeon. Spend our attention, focus, thinking about what he has already said, about the promises he's already given to his people. When we think on those, I think it will help us to anticipate, to look forward to every single day his return. And some of those promises, I just want to, you guys can jot these down if you want to, but some of these, I got a few promises that, again, I think if you think about these, I think they'll help us anticipate his return. John 14, 6, he says this, he said, I will send a comforter to you, and he will be with you, and he will help you. Man, what a promise to know that when we walk through things in life, hardships in life, difficulties in life, we have a God that said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit comforter to you. If you're a Christian, he's inside your heart. How about Matthew eleven twenty eight? I love this one. He says, I will give you rest. Come to me, you who are all are weary and heavy. You ever been heavy? You ever been weary before? And God says, come to me, man, I'll, I'll give you rest. I'll give you a peace that passes all understanding. John six thirty seven. I love this one too. He says, man, he said, no matter how much you mess up, 
I'm never going to throw you out. never going to throw you away. There's nothing that you can do that he will not, that he will choose, I'm sorry, to take you out of a relationship with him. And what a promise. And last, John 14, 3. Well, we've talked about a lot today. He says this, he says, if you're a believer, man, I'm coming back for you. And where I go, I'm going to take you with me. And I'm coming back for you. When we spend time thinking about these promises and many others in scripture, the truth of God's word, it changes us from the inside out and causes our anticipation to grow for meeting him one day. And even in Titus 2.13, it reminds us that we should continually think about these and we should be anticipating that blessed hope, which is referencing Christ's return for the church one day. So as a believer, our anticipation should grow over time. But with that, so should our awareness that going back to what we said already a couple times, that we have less of an opportunity today than we did yesterday to reach the lost that are in our lives. So church, man, let's go out from here. Let's be aware of that, that we have a limited amount of time to impact people's eternity for Christ. What are you anticipating this Christmas season? Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for letting us have this time that we can just sit down and we can walk through your word and, and we can be encouraged by the life of Simeon. God, a guy that just simply trusted what you said, which when it comes down to it, God, I believe that that's what faith is. Do we believe and do we trust what you say? And Simeon was a man of great faith. He was devoted because God, he simply took what you said as truth and believed in it, regardless if it took 10 years or 50 years. God, to see that promise come to be true. God, he simply believed it. I pray that Grace Community Church, that we'd be a people that leaves here and we would simply believe what your word said and we'd hold on those promises and reach as many people as we can for Jesus. Because God, as we already heard earlier, that God, every single person has a soul that will spend somewhere forever, heaven or hell. God, it is our duty, our calling to reach in for Jesus. So I pray, God, as the day gets closer to your return, help us to leave here and reach Tiffin, Seneca County for you, we pray. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.